Yeah, Father God, I just thank you, Lord, that you speak through Gareth, Lord. And Father, as Gareth speaks, I just pray that we would hear you, Father, that we would be open to your Holy Spirit, that we would hear, feel and hear your Holy Spirit, that just through this sermon, we would experience your peace. Lord, we would experience your shalom, your wholeness, just as Gareth is, is speaking, Lord, that this sermon would minister to us, Lord God. In your name. Amen. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you. How is everyone? Very peaceful. Well, that's about to change. <laughs> what have I done? Oh, I've just taken a satellite down somewhere. There we are. Rare slicer. Brilliant. Right. First scripture. Shalom to you. Shalom to your household, shalom to everything that is yours, and shalom to everyone here. That's Samuel, 1 Samuel 25, peace to you, peace to your household, peace to everything that is yours, and peace to everything here. What do you think of when you think of peace? Let's shout some stuff out quickly. Calm. Calm. Freedom from anxiety. Some of our slates are roof on the uh, some of our slates are loose in our house, and I can't really sleep at night if there's wind, because I think we're going to wake up and there's no slates left on the house. It's like an absence of peace. Burnt the toast again, no peace. Kids are shouting, leaving stuff around, no peace. But what I want to say, shalom is a little bit richer and deeper and fuller than that. And it's one of the most essential things, I think, for us to grasp as Christians. Because our God is called the Prince of? The covenant is a covenant of? We are called to make peace, to seek it and to pursue it. Peace should be something that should be the hallmark of what we are. Because the gospel is the gospel of so what's it all about? Well, I hope I can enlighten us a little bit. I'm going to try and move quickly because today we really want to leave some time at the end so we can reflect, we can try and engage with God and really feed on perhaps what he touches us with this morning. So let's go to the next scripture verse. A large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes... I will be healed. Immediately upon touching Jesus, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned round in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding round you? His disciples answered, And yet you could possibly ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking round to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, 
daughter. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Come over to the next slide. Does anybody know what that is? What type of car? I can tell them up north, clever up there. Down south, they would have said it's a lady's uh, purse or something, because it's spangly. What? Yeah, it's a Chrysler. Caroline, it's a 1957 Chrysler Belvedere. And I thought you would have got that, the garage, because every other slide I put up, you know, don't you? <laughs> oh, it's Prague. It's everything. It's a 1957 Chrysler Belvedere. And I got, this is going to be an intro to Shalom. 57 years ago, this was a really treasured car. And in Tulsa, Oklahoma, they decided we're going to build a time capsule. And we're going to put some of our most treasured possessions in it and some of our, the, the height of our cultural artifacts. One of, one of which was this car, the other of which was a can of Pepsi, and a machine gun, and an electric chair. Um, and they sealed, well, I lied about a couple of them. The car was in there, okay? So the car was in there, they sealed it up. 50 years later, they were digging around, and they found it. And the whole idea with this time capsule is you leave the car there, someone would discover it, oh, it's amazing. Jump in, turn it on, and off you'd go. So they triple sealed it. They'd sealed everything perfectly. And they peered in, and there was the car in perfect condition. Let's have a look. It's unbelievable. There it is. <laughs> 50 years, it's just as good as new. And I don't know why you're laughing. I have been in worse Bradford taxis than that, I can tell you. <laughs> Another slide. That is a disappointment. That is a disappointment. Now, the thing about this, you could say of this car, from the Hebrew perspective, it had no shalom. It had no peace. It was an interesting concept. Why would you say that of such a car? And the reason being is because it's completely out of joint. Nothing really works properly anymore. Bits are missing. The engine doesn't work. It's completely out of shape. It's completely out of shalom. So let's talk about the lady I read in the passage. What was her ailment? She was bleeding. She'd been bleeding for 12 years. She'd been to doctors. And what had they done? Had they healed her? What had they done? They made it a lot worse. And... They took all her money. So you have a person, she's been made worse, she's in poverty, she's got no money, she's at the end. Now the other thing about that particular condition is do we know about the purity laws? She'd be unclean. She'd be unclean. So a person was bleeding like that, totally unclean, which means if I touched her, not that you're, I'd be unclean. She wasn't allowed into the temple, so she couldn't worship with her friends. She couldn't be hugged. She couldn't be touched. And what's more, say she was sitting there and I sat down after her, I would be unclean. This was a woman who was totally excluded, totally marginalized, totally poor. She was a woman at exile within her own community. And she was desperate. And what did she do? She went to see Jesus. Why? Now, this is in the Bible. But I thought, why did she go and touch Jesus? 
They said, I was talking to Margaret about this, or you were talking to me. It was wonderful. Do you mind if I steal it? Pretend it's mine? Is that okay? Because if you went to a religious ruler and you were unclean, do you think he'd appreciate it if you touched him? Or do you think he'd be really happy? Thanks for that. I'm now ritually unclean and can't go into the temple and touch other people. And I've got to go through a whole purification ritual process. So why did she go to Jesus? For me, I think she saw something in this man that was totally and utterly different. He was a man who hung around with prostitutes. What else? Vagabonds, thieves and vagabonds. That's a good word. I'm going to use that tonight at the meal table. Oh, she, little vagabond, little thief. <laughs> thieves and vagabonds, the unclean, the dirty, the marginalized. That's where he hung out. And he was called one of them. But she recognized something in this in that she must have seen him heal others. She must have sent something in that man that she could go up. Now, I love this woman because she was very brave. She was very cheeky and she was very naughty. Why was she naughty? She shouldn't be there. She shouldn't be mingling around, touching everybody. Least of all, going up to touch a religious ruler. But she didn't care less about social convention. What would Auntie Ethel think? So she went through the crowd and she touched him and was totally healed. And then the story gets a bit scary because what happens? Jesus said, who touched me? He could feel power go out. He'd healed her. Who touched me? And that's when she started to shake with fear. She was genuinely, properly scared. You wouldn't touch a rabbi. She was most probably expecting him to say, how dare you? How dare you do that and touch me? But what does he say instead? Daughter, 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 you're one of mine. You are one of God's. And do you know what? Your faith has made you whole. Wow. And we know the story. Guys, whatever is going on in your life, however you feel, however dirty you feel, whatever you've done, don't stop coming to Christ for a touch because he will perfectly heal you from the inside out. But to understand peace, guys, we've got to go a step further. Because he said, go in shalom. Now, shalom means this. You are at peace. You are made whole. And every single piece of you is being put back together so that you can flourish and find life. That's what it means. That's shalom. That's peace. And that's how we find peace. By all the bits of us that are broken and a bit getting put back together. So that we can flourish and find life. So now, this lady could be hugged again. Now this lady could go to the temple and worship her God. Now this lady could join the festival. She could dance. She could sing. She could possibly marry and have children, which was a massive deal in that culture. Do we understand? She was over here, complete exile. When Christ touched her, she's completely whole and reintegrated. Now, I love this story because it's one of the stories talked about outside of the Bible. Do you know that? 
Early church fathers talked about this. There was a house on a crossroads. And on the house, there were two statues. One on the one side was a statue of a woman who was just broken, head bowed, covered, ashamed, hunched, crooked. And on the other side, there was a statue of a woman with her hands outstretched, bursting with joy. Do you know whose house that was? It was her house. And she used to tell every passerby, they say, what's the statues? Well, that was me on the one side before I was touched by Jesus Christ. And that is me now. Guys, peace is to fully restore, is to fully integrate, is to fully make whole. And if we are to be peacemakers, we need to become a little bit like Christ. Can we have the next slide? Because our king came down into the brokenness, suffering, and uncleanness of this world to make everyone whole, to make peace and shalom. So if you want to be peacemakers, if we want to be peacemakers, we don't avoid the mess and the difficulty of being in a community like this and being in a world like that. We have to join him to do what we can to come down into this broken world and do what we can to make people whole. Next point. Shalom is deeply and profoundly relational. Do you remember the car? It looked beautiful, shiny. Well, what God doesn't do is he doesn't restore and make you all shiny and new so that you can be like a car going down the high street saying, look at me. Look what Jesus has done to me. Do you like my boot? Look at this, eh? He's made me all shiny and new. The Madonna song. Do any of the young people remember Madonna? Girl with a blonde hair, Zimmer frame now? Yeah? God doesn't heal you and restore you. You can be completely self-indulgent. Look at me. I'm the king's kid. Look at my smile. Look at my clothes. I'm amazing. Look, God loves me. Do you want a bit of this? <laughs> well, you can't have it. <laughs> I'm unique. <laughs> He doesn't put you new for self-indulgence. It's so that you can join something far, 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 far bigger and greater than yourself. That's what it's all about. Because in our culture, we are told to get peace, to be happy. It's all about you. What do you like? What do you want? Forget everybody else and what they want. That's being inauthentic. What do you want? Follow your personal heart. Follow your dreams. Don't worry about anybody else. And that's a recipe for destruction. When I was young, I just wanted to play sport for a living. Couldn't care what it was. Tiddlywinks, I would have done it. I just wanted to play sport for a living. Now, if you ask some young people, what do you want to do for a living? Do you know what they say? YouTuber. Oh. I've done my research wrong. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. Well, I know anyways, 20 years ago, no, 10 years ago, you ask a young person, I just want to be famous. I want to be celebrity. I want people to look at me and adore me and love me. Because that's the message they've been fed. But that, wanting to be adored, 
wanting to be applauded all the time, wanting to be loved, wanting to be the centre of attention, wanting to be the special one, leads to disaster. It leads to unhappiness and no peace. Because God wants to take you and make you part of something much, much bigger and greater than yourself. Shall we have a look what that is? I'm going to read some of the Bible. Is that okay? I know not many people do it these days. But I don't offend anyone. Now, uh, <laughs> I've been a little bit cheeky, okay? Now, what I've done is I used to mock the Message Bible. Did anybody else used to mock it? That's not, a, that's, not an, that's not a version, that. That's a perversion. That's what I used to kind of think to myself. It's rubbish. But John Kirkby said you should read it, and I started to. It's pretty good. What an arrogant, you know, it's really pretty good. That guy has really done his research. Really done his research. So I'm going to talk about what God wants to do to make us whole. Next slide, please. This is Paul the Apostle. What I want to talk about now is the various way God's Spirit gets worked into our lives. So get the picture. God takes hold of you. He starts to heal you. Then what does he do with you? He gives us all gifts and power through the Spirit. And each person is given something to show what God is like. It's not for our own self-indulgence. He gifts us so that we can show something about what God is like. Next one. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit to all kinds of people, and the variety is wonderful. Richard, you're gifted from God through his Spirit to do something wonderful here in our midst. Every single person has been given something. The variety is incredible. This is just one thing, talking. It's reasonably easy, isn't it, to talk? But there's lots of other gifts, wonderful gifts, which everyone has to do something to reveal what God is all about. Next slide. You can easily see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Mine's falling apart, so it's not a good example. But your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said, Goodbye to partial and piecemeal lives. So in our culture, we're called to be the king of your own castle, the ruler of your own destiny. Do what you want. But that leads to a partial and piecemeal life. We used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which God has the final say in everything. Next slide. And so each of us now is part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain in his spirit where we all come to drink. And I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. This is where I struggle. I'll come back to that in a minute. Culture wants to make us independent. What God wants to do is make us interdependent and interrelational so that we all work together to create something bigger than ourselves so we can go into this world with him and start to make all things new. Do we understand? So if I go into Bradford on my own right now, there's not much I can do. If I join a food bank, how many volunteers have you got now? 
756 volunteers. How many people did you feed last week? 8,300,000 and... <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? I got on my own in my independent piecemeal life and what can I achieve? Very little. Well, what's this got to do with peace? We were going to find out. We're going to find out. A body isn't just a single part blown up to something huge like a nose. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. Isn't that wonderful? I also want, next one, I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because what you are a part of. <laughs> Do we understand? Do we understand? <laughs> what a wonderful church. Think of the social ministries we do. I can't claim them for myself. I can't do them myself. The glory is I can be part of something much, 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 much bigger than myself, whereby we can start to become what? God to this city. You see, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part is dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the part we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. Because we know as well to make all this work, there's lots of things we don't see. There's lots of things we don't see. Listen, next one. And if one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. We teased Tarzan, well I teased him when he first turned up because we said, now we've got Tarzan, nobody else in this church has to do anything pastoral because we've just paid for our pastoral worker. That's not shalom. That does not make peace. That overburdens somebody. Now, as the Bible says, we are, when we hurt, we all suffer, and we know that. We know that, but we're all part of the healing. And if one part flourishes, every other part enters into the joy, the exuberance. Isn't it wonderful when Job Club does well? Isn't it? Isn't it wonderful when Food Bank does well? Isn't it wonderful when our education centre does well? Who's really unhappy and disappointed when our job club is a success? Nobody. And we can join in that because we're all part of the one body. We pray for you. We want to volunteer for you. We want to serve for you. And can you see where I'm going? It's this kind of thing where we all work together, use what we have, where we all come together as a whole. That brings peace. That brings shalom. And we have been brought together by the blood of Christ. He is our peace. He has made us all one and brought us together through his death on the cross. He's the one that unites us. Not because we're English or Welsh or Northern or Southern. He brings all those diverse things like a, a happy-go-lucky kind of Welshman into this dower kind of place up here, really. You know, how else can I integrate with you lot? So the, so Jesus. <laughs> this is what he does. And why does he do it? And this is what I love about Shalom. He does all this. He brings us all together. Next one. So that all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, all the broken and dislocated bits about you and me, 
things, animals and atoms, he's going for it, is Eugene Peterson here, can get properly fixed and properly fitted together into vibrant harmonies. And that's how he translates peace. Everything being brought together, shalom, into vibrant harmonies. And all through his death, his blood are poured down from the cross. My friend, peace is this. Think back to the lady. It's being touched by God. It's being healed by God. It's being restored to God. It's about his spirit filling us. Think about the car. It was all broken down. The bits didn't work. Nothing worked. It's the rapture. Is it? No. Um, <laughs> bad timing. It's about Christ touching us and making us new. Filling us with his spirit so that we can join together to be something much, much bigger than ourselves, which is the body of Christ. And when we are all joined together in perfect peace, and when we are all using our gifts, and when we are of unity and like mind, what a wonderful thing can happen. And that's peace, my friend. That's shalom. And that's what it means to pray for the shalom of the city. It's not just the city feels happy, or every slate and every roof is fixed. It's that every single bit of the city is doing something that makes the life of the city work. That's peace. That's shalom. Any questions? I've got five minutes. Five minutes left. So let me do my last slide. Does anybody know which uh, Christian theater program that comes from? Blackadder, no. It's C.S. Lewis, Till We Have Faces. So what's one of the things that can prevent us having shalom and peace? The answer is us. Now, God has convicted me about this recently. Um, I like to spend a lot of time on my own. Why? Because I'm brilliant company. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> I am. I love the same films. I read the same books. Politically, I'm just on the same page. Do you understand? Yeah. Why? Because it's just me. But God has said, through preparing for this, Sunbeam, you're never going to understand yourself in your little cave. And C.S. Lewis knew this. The only way I can become healed by God and have shalom is somehow if I relate to you in some way. Thank you. Thank you. I relate to you in some way. Because what you're going to do is you're going to help me see my blind spots. You understand? You're going to help me discover what my gifts really are. And through me taking you seriously and you taking me seriously, all of a sudden, as C.S. Lewis said, we can start to pull the veils off each other's faces so we can see God more clearly and ourselves more clearly. And that's the thing and the importance about the body of Christ. I experienced that this morning coming in. I spoke to Anne. I'm talking about peace, and we know what's going on in Anne Murgatroyd's family. It's a tough gig. But through hugging and some tears, we could speak peace to each other and counsel one another. I learned more about me. I, she learned more. And through her engagement with me, I started to see the love of God more clearly. I chatted to Margaret this morning about the lady at the, who was touched by Jesus. She starts to explain how God has helped her see it. I start to see more clearly. 
and we start to remove the veils from each other's faces so that we can all see more clearly. That's why the body is important because that's how we build one another up. We help us see who we really are and we help us see who God really is and we do that by being the body of Christ and getting stuck into his work of renewal here on earth. So peace to finish. It's been touched by Christ and been made new. It's been brought into relationship with the Father. It's been brought into relationship with each other. A relationship that starts to transform us as we see each other from the inside out so that we can join him and become part of his body so that we can join him in his ministry of reconciliation here on earth. Praise God. And isn't that wonderful? Does that make sense? Is that worth joining up to? Does that fill you with fear as it does me as I look at you and thinking, I've got to get to know you a bit better. And in so doing, I'll get to know myself a bit better and see God more clearly. And then I can find out how I can serve his body better. Let me finish with a short prayer. Oh, Father, we thank you for stepping down into this world to heal us. We thank you for creating your body where everyone is a place and everyone is gifted. And I pray through the peace and the bond of peace that we show to one another, we can work out what our gifts are, how to use them best in the service of your kingdom, how we can grow in grace and how we can see you more clearly, love you more dearly and move out into this world as the body of Christ. My friends, there's a saying, it takes a community to raise a child. It takes the body of Christ to raise a Christian. So let's get stuck in.